chemistry, his chemistry with Agnes. And she really admired his acting. She she loved, he was not really religious. He was very spiritual and they would discuss things. This is what I got from your book. And Agnes really loved him and thought he was an incredible talent, which he was. And um, um, Larry Tate and the first Louise, who I really liked a lot better, when I now see it, because I I, I rarely saw the first year, um, Irene Vernon, she got canned. Yeah, she got canned because she was friends with Danny Arnold, mm-hmm. who Bill Asher and Elizabeth did not get along with. That seems kind of mean. So yeah, that wasn't kind of nice. But um, so when they... Uh, when D- Danny Arnold left the show, they fired Irene Vernon, un- unfortunately. And that was she was devastated by that. She told me she could never recover from that. And she went into real estate. She never went back to acting. And she was actually, in my opinion, a better Louise. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The other one was sort of this. This this one was more developed character. Um, she was lovely. She was very attractive. Yeah. Um, and again, first year, Gladys Kravitz, who yeah. could beat Alice yeah. Pierce. She yeah. was Gladys Kravitz. She she had pathos. She was not me- that mean person that became the next yeah. Mrs. Kravitz, who had a whole different uh, acting style. She was yeah. a really good actress. And didn't she win an Emmy for Bewitched? She, she won an Emmy posthumously, uh, um, and and her husband, who was a director, uh, accepted the award. And you know, when she died, Elizabeth and Bill were were devastated. They didn't know what to do, so they went to Alice Ghostly, who had made a guest star appearance on the show, and said, "Would you like to please play Mrs. Kravitz?" And she said she couldn't because. Alice Pierce was her good friend. So they went with Sandra Gould, who Elizabeth did not like as as the character. Nor did I. And then when Marion Lorne died, uh, who played Aunt Clara. Who, didn't she win an Emmy too? She won an Emmy as well. And when she died, then they went again back to Alice Ghostly. And Alice Ghostly said, well, I'm friends with Marion, but... Since I'm not going to be playing the same character, I'm going to be playing a similar character. Okay, I'll do that. She was Esmeralda. Yeah. Right. Was a bumbling maid witch, whereas Aunt Clara was a bumbling bumbling aunt witch. Um, Why would a witch be a housekeeper? You know, that's a good question. (laughs) Because it's fake. It's well, not real. No, it's, it's because she was bumbling. You see, but there was a thing about the witch. There was a thing about the witch. They, this other world that these people lived in, they still had, you know, they had the pharmacists, 
right? Right. Bernie Kapoor paid the pharmacist. They had the doctor. Dr. So Bombay. Had, Dr. Bombay. So they still had their, their own categories. But you're right. Why would a witch be a maid? Because she was a, she couldn't make it as a witch fully because she was so bumbling. So that's why. Now, I just made this up right now. I know. Let's a, just say Esmeralda had, had a sister and a mother, and they would have said, hey, you know, come, come live with us. We don't care if you're bumbling. We'll, we'll take care of you. You don't have to cook the meals and do vacuum. But, you know, this is just something I pondered. Why I ponder all these weird things. Anyway, so they do these seasons. And I want to talk about their my favorite two Halloween episodes. The first season is a riot with um, – Darren is, takes over this gig for this guy. I don't remember who who he was, but he was funny. Yeah, you know, ugly. And and the Bertha and all these other ladies are with Samantha saying they hate that time of year. They portray them as ugly with big nose and warts and blacked out teeth. And this is exactly what the guy wants. And Elizabeth says that Darren will help them. And Darren, you know, draws a picture of what the guy wanted, and she sees the room, and she's horrified. And they go and show that guy, which is their people too, you know, or whatever, and it's a riot. But the second season, the werewolf one, I die. I laugh so hard. And Dora uh, turns herself into Maureen McCormick as a mini and Dora. <laughs> and Maureen McCormick puts a spell on Darren, making him, quoting Maureen McCormick, a werewolf. <laughs> she couldn't say <laughs> And even in the pretty much years later, you mean you don't believe in ghosts to Alice or werewolves? She never <laughs> Wow. Wow. You're you're connecting the dots big time. Yes, that where it's werewolf. Anyway, Darren becomes a werewolf and he has to all of a sudden his nails start growing and whatever and he's having company that night and Smith is pregnant and then he t- like puts his hands and hides them. Oh, they're so in love, isn't it beautiful? And then they lock him in a closet. And then when Andorra comes, the guy goes, Oh, I love your costume. I love it. That is outrageous. And she's dressed as Andorra. It is one of the funniest Halloween episodes I've ever seen. And him turning into a werewolf is wonderful. <laughs> they were just perfect. And, and again, he, he could do anything. Yes. Anything. And it was, a, it was right. It was about prejudice. It was whatever. And yeah. then, um, so he, didn't he go to the hospital trying to get better, trying to do whatever? He missed a lot of season five, which stunk when Darren wasn't in it. I hate to say it. Stinky poo. And then. Well, you can't, you can't have a witch without Darren. You just can't. But when they took on Dick Sargent, as, you know, mean as his moorhead wasn't, he was crying on the plane home from Salem because she was so mean. She couldn't. Yeah. He wasn't. Who could compare to Dick York? He was not good. He was not funny. He was. Well, no, 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 no. no. It sounds like he wasn't good. He just wasn't as good as, good eh. as, as Dick York. I mean, you know, and and Elizabeth um, worked better with him. He said, "Your sergeant said, because you know she there was it was more Samantha and Darren were kissy kissy when uh, Dick Sargent did the role, and I, she probably did not feel as threatened by him off 
or, you know, off camera. That he wasn't lustily staring at her because he was gay. Yeah. He happened to be gay. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I just have to admit, Herbie, like we were talking about Bewitched. No, we were talking about Mary Tyler Moore, and I thought it stunk after Rhoda left. It it didn't stink, but it wasn't the great Mary Tyler Moore show. And for me, those seasons are are just not good to me. Those, you know, whatever. And it's not easy to step into someone like Dick York's shoes because he was fabulous. So... um, you know, whatever. So they did it. Well, yeah, no, and the and the audience felt that way too. I mean, the ratings dropped out of the top ten. The show dropped out of the top ten after you know York left the show, and and the show wasn't the same again. And I mean, they had started re rebooting episodes of yes, uh, the I Black remember. Yes, yes, no, yes. They, they rebooted yes. episodes. With Dick York. I remember. I can't remember which episodes they did, but boy, do I remember they did quite a few. I'm like, I've been here before. What I mean is is they even rebooted black and white episodes of Dick York with color episodes of Dick York. And then they rebooted Dick York episodes with Dick Sargent. So they have been rebooting episodes a lot. So it's not as though they started rebooting the show when Sargent came along. They had already rebooted episodes with Dick York. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the issue was that, you know, I, I never understood why they didn't just hire a whole bunch of new writers, you know, really? after York. Yeah. Anyway, you know. They should confusing. have. Anyway, during that time, um, after Dick York leaves, and I believe he got along very well, you ended up marry, uh, marrying, <laughs> you met uh, David White, A.K.A. Larry yeah, I guess, Tate. I ended up marrying David White. That How long true. did your marriage last with David White? <laughs> Can you send me a wedding picture, please? <laughs> you met him, correct? I met him on the second meeting with Elizabeth. She said to me, Herbie, and when I first met her, or when I met her on that second meeting, the first five minutes, she was Herbie, I'm expecting I'm a messenger. Uh, at four o'clock, so please forgive me. I have a little problem. Now, before this, I had tried to talk to Dick York, excuse me, Dick Sargent and David White, both of whom refused to talk with me unless Elizabeth did. So I called her up and said, Elizabeth, would you please call these people and tell them it's okay to talk to me? So she does. Now, on the second meeting, she goes, Irby, I'm expecting a. I said, no problem. So four o'clock comes along, so the doorbell rings. She leaves to get the door in walks David White. How thrill. How thrilling. What year was this, Herbie? This was 1989. Oh. And my mouth, my jaw dropped. She even said, look at his mouth, look at his jaw, look at his face. <laughs> he was so happy to wig me out. And uh, that was, there was sitting in. In Elizabeth Montgomery's backyard was Samantha and Larry Tate. Yeah, but he hadn't seen her in like eight since the show closed, right? He had not been in that house. She went to get us drinks, which, by the way, was great for kids for me. She went to get us drinks, and she comes back, or, and she goes away, and he says to me, beautiful house, isn't it? I says, yeah, yeah, I'm still in awe that I'm talking to Larry Tate. And he goes, um, haven't been here in 15 years. Wow. Sad story. 
Let's bring this up. This one sad story. He had one son, Jonathan, and when Louise got pregnant, that's one of the funniest episodes when she's trying to tell Larry and he thinks it's Darren and Samantha having a baby because they've tried all those years. It's such a good episode. And um, he, they have a baby named Jonathan. And he had a son named Jonathan who was killed in this very notorious airplane crash in Lockerbie, Scotland, correct? Yes. yes. What year was that? There was 1988, a year before uh, I met them. And Elizabeth, you know, oh, she just, she did not like Ronald Reagan, okay? She had issues with Ronald Reagan. Uh-huh. And, um, and David White had issues with Ronald Reagan. Right. I guess they had, they had worked together years before because, you know, when Ron was uh, an actor. Uh-huh. So when his son died in that horrible accident, a horrible incident over Lockerbie, they- Pan Am... Pan Am something. Pan Am something. Yeah. 1988. You know, he he was telling both Liz and I this day that um, he received like a framed letter from Reagan saying, I'm sorry about your son, as if that's supposed to take make everything okay. And that he's supposed to be so thrilled. Yeah. yeah. In the book you have that, that he, he was very, he's like, I'm supposed to frame this? My son is dead? He's... And they knew he blamed the the government for this because they had said prior that they had gotten intelligence that they were going to bomb a plane around there in any time and what and even that a Swedish au pair was going to be unknowingly bringing the bomb aboard, which what she she had met a guy and he said, "Take this home for me." And it was a lovely bomb and murdered all the people aboard and even some people on the ground. And he never got his son's body. He, got, he never got anything. How horrifying. He, so never, he, he, yeah. never, he never recovered from any of that. Could I mean, you blame him? Yeah. No. No. His only son full, filled with yeah. a full life ahead of him and all those poor people. I just can't even imagine. And this was only... So I met him only a year after this happened. Um, so yeah. he was he was devastated. And Elizabeth did not know that until that moment. She didn't know that his son had died? No. Oh, that's sad. So I'm sitting there. He's telling the story. And she's like, your son was on that flight? And, and that she was livid. Livid. She actually used the word hate, which kind of, you know, I don't like that word at all. You know, especially today, everybody's hating everybody so much for their political I know. Differences. It's horrible. Yeah. I, I, I think it's horrible. But she used that word. She goes, I, she said, she goes, I hate, I, no, I despise, no, I hate, I hate him for doing this, for allowing this. And, you know, she went on to do all these controversial documentaries mm-hmm. about Panama and she was just controversy after controversy after controversy, you know. But she, you know what? Said, you didn't get it. You know, like she was supposed to be like Jane Fonda, but you know what? No one really knew about all these things that Elizabeth was doing. 
maybe, you know, some people in Hollywood, whatever. So they didn't, you know, hate her as much as they hated someone like Jane Fonda, who was so out there. The thing I mostly remember about her is her doing, I don't know, some parade and she's sitting with Dick Sargent. Um, yeah, there was the a gay pride. There right. was a gay pride parade in uh, 1992. He died soon um, after, didn't he? Yeah, he had prostate cancer. He did not die of AIDS. Everybody's always died of AIDS. He did not die of AIDS. I believe the National Enquirer. And they outed him. One of those magazines outed him. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, he he died of prostate cancer. He did not die of AIDS. And he asked her to join him um, at that parade, which was pretty cool. To be the Grand Marshals, yeah. Yeah, to see uh, Samantha and Darren together again. You know, I just prayed. I'm like, dang it, couldn't they have done this for my TV movie? You know? So, so was your TV movie, because in it, you know, they did all these different things. Oh, let's talk about Jeannie. She was very upset with the Jeannie thing. And I get that. I mean, it's totally copycat, but at least it was on a different network. But then what really irked her, you know, Sam- Samantha Serena, and then Jeannie comes up with the dark-haired evil sister, and that really got Elizabeth's goat. And one of the funny th- things I read in your book was that they shared dressing room or getting the makeup on in the morning, and it was uh, Elizabeth, Barbara, and Sally Field, who I guess was doing Gidget or the Flying Nun or something, yeah. one of those things. And Barbara Eden would sing, and it would drive Elizabeth crazy. Well, yes. And and let me make it clear, though. She never really held anything personally against Barbara. Nor should she have. Yeah. She had issues with uh, Sidney Sheldon, who was uh, the creator of I, Jimmy Genie, and who was Bill Asher's good friend when they did the Patty Duke show together. Bill directed and Identical cousins. Yeah. Yeah. And Sidney produced that. So, you know, the whole twin cousin thing really started on that show. That's what I so Elizabeth, You know what I mean? Yeah. So Samantha and Serena actually copied from Sidney Sheldon. Um, but having said that, uh, Jeannie definitely was a takeoff on Bewitched. And they then they started, like, lifting scripts that were very similar to Bewitched. Um, but... Barbara Eden is a super adorable human being. I love her. Uh, the show was very different than The Witch. And it was, you know, The Witch was, had a little more serious take. Right. I dare I say a little bit more realistic. Roger being sent to uh, the gulag or she would send him, if he's going to say something, she'd send him to like Siberia or something like that. Roger Healy, who was a riot. Well, it's just, Bill Gina Daly. Jeannie was, was more fun-loving, more, it was a more gullible um, um, impish type right. show. Um, and the witch had a more serious take. I don't believe I'm saying that, but it did have more serious take on situation comedy. Well, they did have the, the uh, students come in and they wrote, co-wrote the script, um, with Tabitha. Um, well, that was, yes, that was a using wishcraft. Yeah. Right. Sisters under the skin, right? <laughs> Sisters at Heart. Oh. Oh, wow. Uh, Sisters, Sisters at Heart. And that was written by the uh, graduating class of Jefferson High in 1970. 
and co-written by Barbara Eden, or excuse me, Barbara Avedon, um, who did later did Cagney and Lacey. It won the Governor's Award. It was about Tabitha befriending a young African American girl. They both wanted to be sisters. Yes, Tabitha they to. were going to babysit them. It was a coworker of Darren's, and they were going to babysit the the girl and the wife. And he left the girl with him, and when they became sisters, and then the guy, uh, Darren's client, came by. And he, he thought that the girl, she answered the door, was his daughter. And he thought that the the guy, the black guy's wife was Samantha. And he's like, oh, you know, he's very... And then he became, of course, they made his skin brown. And... Um, uh, Which they probably couldn't do today. No. I mean, that, no but, way. Yeah. No. But, um, you know, they tackled that. But, but then... Um, you know, she left Bewitched, and I have to say, and you write it in your book that, you know, in the women's liberation, you know, burn your bra, and she just seemed very unhappy doing it. She was just slugging along. She did not. Well, towards, towards the end. Yes. Towards the, yes. The, in the eighth season, she's dragging her feet. She was tired of the show. The show was not the same. No, it ABC. wasn't funny. It wasn't good. Well, I wouldn't say it wasn't funny. It just wasn't up to uh, the the quality of the first few years. But ABC still believed in it. They did not cancel the show. Elizabeth ended the show. Right. They put it out. It's at All in the Family in the last season. It was doing quite well up against All in the Family second. But Elizabeth, uh, Bill Asher had an affair. Uh, he, and he told me that was it was all his fault. He Nancy not Fox. Yeah, I remember and, that episode. Check it out, kids. And Dorothy makes uh, uh, a Tabitha this great ice skater, and Nancy Fox is in that episode as I don't know a teacher or something. And Bill Fish, he starts having an affair with her in yeah. real life. And Elizabeth is the one that discovered her. Um, he she saw her on an episode of All in the Family. Well, Wow. And, and she liked, she thought, well, she was great. And then Bill, of course, would go on to star her or feature her in Temperatures Rising, his show Temperatures Rising. Um, but, yeah, that was the end of the, the Bewitched series. It was the end of the, the Asher marriage. Bewitched was actually renewed for three more years. Wow. Elizabeth, Elizabeth took off to Europe and, and just, you know, disappeared for about a year with Richard Michaels. Uh, who was Bill Ash's essentially protege on Bewitched as director producer? So he, this is the guy good. she was having an affair with. Yeah, yeah. Bill Ash was very upset, and it just everything was just done. And then the next season, by then the following fall, she did the TV movie The Victim. Um, I saw and then that. The second movie was the second movie she did after that was Mrs. Sundance, and that's where she met. Foxworth. Did you meet him, Herbie? Um, yes, I did. He and I just I just interviewed uh, him for uh, uh, something I'm working on, and um, I remember. I think I told him this. I can't remember. Um, when I used to go over this to the, her house, you know, he was doing Falcon Crest. Oh, right. So he he comes to the back door, you know, and he he'd look at you know. He'd look at me like, well, honey, I'm going. He said, Elizabeth, honey, I'm going to work. 
And he'd leave, he'd like start to leave, then he'd come back and he'd look at the door, through the door again, through the screen door, and he kept on looking at us like, who is this guy? And why is he always over my house? <laughs> so, <laughs> poor Bob, you know. But I got to tell you, Bob was always nice to me. And, and, and as I say, Elizabeth adored him. She loved him because, I think, number one, she fell in love with him, I think, because he never watched an episode of Bewitched. And that intrigued her because, you know, she just left the witch behind. Mm -hmm. And his name was, his first name was Robert after her dad. He was also very handsome. Very handsome guy. How many years younger was he? I think he was 10 years Mm. younger. Close to that, anyway. And, um, yeah. So, and, you know, when he was in Felton Crest, with David Elizabeth, Selby, my dreamboat. Yeah. Yeah. When Elizabeth, when he was in Felton Crest and Elizabeth, I believe, was asked to be on the show, and the character that she, she rejected was ultimately ended up playing, being played by Kim Novak, ironically enough, who had played a, tea, uh, a witch in Bell Book and Candle, which many thought the witch was a ripoff of, but. Not really. No, they were so different. And she, how she got James Stewart was she did put a spell on him, whereas Elizabeth didn't. They just fell in love. Exactly. And and the Bell Book and Candle was about the courtship. And, um, you know, the witch was about a marriage. Of course, there was I Married a Witch years before that with Veronica Lake in 1933 or something. No, 40s in the 40s. She was on they were 42, both, I think. Were, all of those properties were owned by Columbia, so it was okay anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was all the same studio. It didn't matter. You know? So, so that's the story. And then she did Lizzie Borden, which was a oh. huge Yeah. Yeah, she, she did Lizzie Borden, and which her father was not pleased about either. I watched that on he, YouTube. That's on YouTube sometimes. Maybe you can catch it. The victim as well. Yeah. I I find it very difficult to watch those movies. Um, I can't watch. I've yet to watch A Case of Rape all the way through. I've never uh, seen yet, it. No. It, it's very difficult to see Samantha get raped. Yeah. Um, it, it is very hard. She also did a movie with O.J. Simpson. She, yeah. um, she told... She did very dramatic and not always very nice characters, which she liked to no, do. I told her that. Yeah. I said that. I said, Elizabeth, you know, where's that spark? Where's that comedic genius? We miss it, you know? And she just was so into wanting to get away from the witch and just to prove that she was this actress. And the, the bottom line is anybody can make you cry, but it's no easy feat to make you laugh. Exactly. Takes a lot of talent as a comedian, and it's funny because you wrote in your book, and I think Elizabeth might have said that she said, um, "You get five people in a room, and you say your dog just died, and they're all sad for you. But you get five people in a room, and then you say something that's supposed to be funny." And I was a stand-up comic, so I know how that works. People, you know, maybe one person will laugh, and the others don't. Senses of humor are different. Our sense of sadness and sorrow are generally universal, hopefully. But yeah. um, it is harder to do comedy than drama, much harder. 
Oh, yes. Everybody says that. And like she said, fake laughing. She hated to fake laugh. Yeah. And fake crying. Forget it, Charlie. And so she was doing these things, and I have to ask, she was doing these Edna Buchanan things in the 90s. She had lied Mm -hmm. about her age a lot of times, but, you know, not saying she's 22 or anything like that. But um, when did she discover she had cancer, Herbie? I read that she knew for a while, but she kept working. And then I read that she hated doctors and she went at the last minute. She she knew something was wrong. She didn't want to deal with it. And ultimately, she just went to see the doctor too late. Her son, you know, eventually says, you need to see a doctor, you know. And she was Rebecca losing was weight, they said, while she Rebecca was doing the movie. On, yeah. Yeah. Rebecca was on the set of uh, Deadline for Murder, and, you know, she noticed that her, you know, her mother was very thin. So they just, it was just too late. But ultimately, you know, Bob Foxworth um, said it once that she never wanted to get old, and she didn't. You know, how she sad though. She died. Yeah, she yeah. died of colon cancer. So she went to the yeah. doctor. Did they do any surgery? Because I know. Then she said they did explore. They did exploratory surgery, and um, it was just too late. All over the place. So she yeah. said, "Take me home." So she could die. At she home. wanted. To, she wanted. Yeah, she wanted to go home. I don't blame her. Beverly Hills, and then she wanted to go home to heaven. She said she was ready to go home. And then she didn't want anyone in the room with her. I found that interesting. She wanted her kids and everybody to leave the room because mm. my father was like that. My sister, when she died, way too young, and my father died when I was sixteen. He was way too young. They did not want anyone to be in near them when they died. Whereas with my mother, when she died, you know, we were there and holding her hand. But it is a very, you know, like we're born alone and we die alone. Not just because people are around you. They're taking that different journey. They're going. They're out of here. Did Elizabeth ever talk about her beliefs in supernatural? Did she believe in life after death? Did she believe in something like that? Do you know that? She never talked about it with me, but she did believe um, in the spiritual side of of life. She was she was a spiritual person. I gifted her with a, um, a volume set of some of my favorite books, The Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East by, by Berti Spalding, which was just a phenomenal set of books. And she loved it. She loved it. Uh, she had encounters, allegedly, with ghosts. In real life? Oh, yeah. I read that one with the lady. <laughs> the lady ghost, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and when you watch Bewitched, I mean, as a kid, when I watched it, yeah, I loved uh, the, the the comedy and there was all the other, obviously, the, the, um, the messages, the wonderful messages of love and acceptance in the show and all that and true love and work ethic. But... When I would watch it as a kid and I'd see Samantha, one of the other magic people, do something, I look at it like, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. It's, it would seem to be a natural uh, development of, of, our, of our persona, of our humanity, that if you moved your arm and you thought, you know, they say you only use 7% of your brain. Right? Isn't that amazing? So, it's crazy. 
So I think it just seems so natural. She made witches likable and believable because she was so likable and believable in that role. She was when she would talk to animals. You would you would think she was talking about the animal. She loved the animals. She was a total animal lover. Which started because she grew up on that farm in Patterson, New York, and she loved the racetrack and she loved to gamble. That's and she loved funny. To yeah, that's very funny. Um, and she, so she died. Robert was there. The whole family was there. They adored him. The children knew how much he loved her. So when she got her start, it was so nice to see that they were all together um, on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She got her star. Yeah, and, um, yeah. you know, but I loved her. I love Bewitched. Um Herbie, I just have to ask you this one question because I love that heart necklace she always wore. There were rumors Agnes Moorhead gave it to her, but do you have any idea where she got that? You know what what I'm talking about it? That beautiful... Bill Bill Asher gave her that heart. And she wore it all the time. I love, love it. Yeah. She loved, she loved Bill Asher. And they he loved her. Yeah. They divorced because he, um, you know, he just, he, he just wandered. Yeah. And, he, you know, he wasn't a, a spectacularly good-looking guy at all, but he was a ladies' man, and women loved him. Yeah, there was something and, attractive about him. I just didn't think so until I was rereading your book, and I saw a picture of him, and I I. Never thought he was attractive before, but, you know, I was a lot younger. And as you get older, then you see how some of these guys are attractive. Yeah, they're cute. Think People you wouldn't think were cute when you were younger. Um, he was. He had something about him, and I'm sure, I mean, he had a huge talent. And it's very sad. But, you know, she met Robert Fox. How long? They were together like 20 years. They were together 20 years, and... It was only like the last couple of years, if that, they were married when she finally, because he had been asking her to marry him for years. And and she finally just says, a couple of years before she dies, she walks in the kitchen and goes, let's get married. And he's like, what? So that's how that happened. And they got married at Barry Cross, at the, at the apartment of her manager, Barry Cross. Do you and, think she knew, was, Herbie, that she was sick and dying? Do you think she knew that? I think her soul knew that. I don't know if she consciously knew that. She just wanted to put it off and just forget about it. Yeah. Yeah, but you can tell when your body's messing up on you. And obviously right. she had stage not, four. How do you not know you're right. yeah. How do you not know you're sick? How do you not know you're sick? Well, I have a know. friend who who is still alive after three and a half years of stage four uh, colon cancer. She was diagnosed when she was about 45. Um, and she's still living. But she, I said, you didn't have symptoms? She, you know, when she said she lost a lot of blood, she had to go in and she, she had this. And I'm like, you had no symptoms. Stage four. She's still living. Knock on wood and let's hope she keeps going. I love you, Noreen. But... Um, you know, it's it's just something you you've got to feel something weird going on in your body when you get to stage four. I mean, stage one, I can say no, but you know, you stage four, you would think that you have some sort of inkling, but maybe not. 
Maybe not. But Elizabeth was losing the weight. I'm sure she was in pain and having that tummy stuff. And um, But I love her. And I loved the book, Twitch Upon a Star. And I love all of Herbie's books because I think I've read them all. I have to, I want to, I did, I have to Except get the, for the essential. Yeah. The essential is Montgomery. I've got to get that one. Yep. It's on Amazon. It's called the essential is Montgomery, a guide to her magical performances. And it covers like each episode of, 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 of every movie she did, every TV show appearance she did. It's like a, a bewitched book for her entire career. Cool. I will get it because I really do like her. And it's so funny because we used to watch Nick and TV Land, my um, stepdaughter and I. And she, you know, she would love to watch them. And she hated She loved I Love Lucy, but she's like, can it be in color, you know, kids? So, but she, you know, it was like one year she and her best friend were going to do Halloween. And they had to say, okay, who's Samantha and who's Janie? And she got to, and Nicole was Samantha, and her friend was Jeannie. So, you know, it was that whole thing. But she grew up loving these things because of Nick at Night and TV Land. So a whole generations yeah. love these these shows. So it's really wonderful. And your books, Herbie, are wonderful. Got to ask you, since this is spooktacular, have you ever had like a supernatural kind of thing happen to you? Oh my god! All the time, um, all the time. And when I say that, it's not. I mean, my father came to me after um, about let's see, about eight years after he died, and about two years before my mother died. My father came to me. I was. It was in a dream, um, but I was. At, it was back in New York, caring for my mom, and he. I fell asleep on the sofa. And all of a sudden, the my living room in my apartment became all white. And in he walks. And he was, let's see, when he died, he was 83. Wow. He was very good, very, very good-looking guy, blonde hair, blue eyes. And when I saw him that day, he looked 35. Wow. He looked 35. And he, like, floated as he walked. And he comes into my office. He goes, I just bought a new computer. He goes, nice computer, nice computer. And he, you know, my father was not an educated man in life. So for him to say something like that, that was big. And then I asked him, I go, Dad, what about Mom? What about what's going on? Not yet. Not yet. And then he floated out in into my courtyard, into the the parking lot of my apartment building, which became a heavenly courtyard when he walked out into it. Um, and it was just, obviously, it was crystal clear, this this experience. Um, but that's just one. I mean, things, I think like that happen all the time. I've had them, all, too. I've had them, too. The and also, and unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, I have like premonitions and they're usually bad premonitions and they come true. I've had dreams. My, my father died when I was 16. He was only like not old. Um, and he came to me and he was glowing and he didn't look 35, but he didn't look his age. He looked 
mm-hmm. great. And he said, I'm mm-hmm. okay. Because I felt a lot of guilt because I was a teenager when he died. And I, you know, I wasn't a rotten teenager. I didn't hang out at 7-Eleven and drink or go, <laughs> go and drink with all the high school kids at some park. You know, I was a good kid, but I, you know, I just wanted out. I wanted to come to New York. I wanted to start my life very early. Um, but he came to me when my mother died. She came to me glowing in this beautiful emerald green um, shirt I gave to her. When my sister wow. died, she came to me. When my brother died, I mean, this is all early young people. My mother lived to be 87, thank God. But my sisters and brother, my sister and my brother died very young. So when my brother died, all of a sudden I have this heart-shaped thing with my dead kitty cat, Ralphie. And I look up and I'm saying, Billy, say something. I, you know, he was a troubled soul. And all of a sudden there was a heart on my ceiling and it never happened again. And it never happened before. But that day there was a heart on my ceiling and it never moved. I never moved that thing from where it was. But that one day it happened. And let me tell you, okay, one more, my grandmother's story, everybody. Um, I was... I was hesitant about getting married to my ex-husband. I was very young and he had a daughter and there was part of me like, do I want to have a stepdaughter when I'm this young and have another woman in my life, her mother, et cetera, et cetera. So I was very questioning the girl. I I love my stepdaughter. I couldn't have handpicked a better one and I adore her. But beforehand, you know, you wonder. And so one night while I was dreaming, my my I know she came to me. My grandma came to me. It was so real. And she looked beautiful. And she and I said, are you coming for me? And she said, no. I said, you coming for mom? And she shook her head no with a smile. And then it was my, ex, my ex-husband. And she patted his shoulder like, you know, he's good, Grace. Don't worry. Marry him. And that day, it was so real. I was on my treadmill And I had my DVDs there because I would watch DVDs while I was doing my workout. And it flew, literally, a DVD flew against my treadmill, flew across. And I said, okay, Grandma, you were here. I'm scared. I'm out of here. (laughs) But I know she was there. I know it. So, and my sister came to me in a dream, and I was, she loved gossip. She loved the Inquirer. She loved Nancy Grace. And and she said, Grace, I don't care about stuff like that here. She looked beautiful. Mm. And it's funny, but mm. I really believe that those were real things for me. They were. They yeah. were. And these kinds of things happen all the time to everybody. It's just your level of awareness. It depends on the person's level of awareness. Right. Some you know, people shut not- it out. I'm very yes. sensitive and my I'm, yes. I am an empath to the ultimate mm-hmm. power. And so, you know, I was afraid of it for a long time. And then I just kind of said, I am who I am. And that's when I received all these different things. But I always had it. I always had premonitions when I was young and all sorts of things. So spooktacular. It wasn't scary stuff. I've never had a scary. Oh, well, yes, I did. Once when I was little, um, my sister lived close by. She was 18 years older than me. And... um it was Christmas, and she said, hey, Gray, come and get me. I'm bringing Joey, my nephew. And um, 
help me carry the Christmas presents over. I looked out the window. I couldn't go. She called me and said, where are you? And I said, well, uh, she said, give me Anne. My, my sister is two years older than me. So my sister Anne went, and then Judy comes back. Until I had this foreboding. It was a dark, horrible Christ, Christmas kind of day where, you know, we should have snow, but it was awful, and I had this foreboding, and I couldn't go. So when Judy came back, Anne never told me this, but Judy said, hey, some guy tried to grab Anne when she was coming over, and she got away. Mm. Now, had it been me, I was two years younger, would I have gotten away? Probably not. So that was my first real experience with that kind of thing. I was very young. Wow. 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 Anyway, that's... That's our spectacular stories. Yeah. And um, we wish you all a wonderful, safe, happy Halloween. Watched, bewitched. And, and really, if you love Elizabeth Montgomery or you love a biography, she's a very, like, he's, Herbie says, we're you're, all. Oh, you're fading out there, Grace. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? So, everybody, have a wonderful Halloween. And please stay safe. Lots going on. Wear your mask. Vote. It is our duty as citizens of this country. And, you know, I love doing it. And Herbie J. Pilato, I just love, love, love you. Thanks for coming on. Look for his book, Be Twi- um, uh, Twitch Upon a Star. And the other books, I will again link you to Herbie's Facebook page and his website. And... um He really knows his stuff, and his books are great. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, everybody. And thank you, thank you, thank you to you, Herbie J. Pilato, who I think is the cat's meow. You're the best, Grace. And happy Halloween, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Story.